Hey friends, welcome to The Beat Goes On, a pro-life podcast hosted by Piedmont Women's Center in Greenville, South Carolina. If you've been looking for a pro-life podcast to help you better understand the pro-life position and other issues surrounding it, navigate sensitive conversations with clarity, confidence, and kindness, and understand and stay up to date on the latest pro-life news and legislation, The Beat Goes On is a podcast for you. Our hope at Piedmont Women's Center is that the Beat Goes On podcast will bring clarity to your thoughts and equip and empower you with the confidence to humbly serve the women and men in your community. Let's get started. All right, friends, welcome back to The Beat Goes On. I am very excited for you today because on today's show, we have with us Tammy Howe. And Tammy has been with Piedmont Women's Center, is it 26 years? It will be, considering staff and volunteering at the end of the year, it will be 26 years. Okay, so she's been with Piedmont Women's Center for 26 years. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Piedmont Women's Center owes a lot to what it is today because of her, because she just, one of those people, when she saw a need, she figured it out and fulfilled it. And Tammy's going to be sharing some of her story with us today, how she got involved in pro-life work. And um, in December, she will be retiring, and we are going to miss you so much, Tammy. Um, But she's in the process of training several of us to come up behind her because Tammy is the Wonder Woman of Piedmont Women's Center. That's what I think of when I think of you because you do so much and have done so much. And um, so she has a lot of wisdom that she brings with her and experience. And so I'm excited to share that with you today. And she is also um, a mom of uh, uh, Chase, and he is someone who happens to have special needs. And so she's going to be sharing some of their story with us today, just helping us know how to view and interact with people with special needs and um, individuals and families, and just helping us understand the value that these precious lives bring to us and what they share with the world. So Tammy... Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Whitney. <laughs> All right. So to start out with, can you share with us how, your story of how you got involved in pro-life work? Okay. That's going to, I'm going to try to keep that really short um, because it would be a long story. Um, I was teaching Sunday school at our church where I was on staff and um, 11th and 12th grade girls and love that age bracket. Um so fun to be with them still have great relationships with some of those girls but um, we had one of the staff members that was new for Piedmont Women's Center that joined our church and she seemed to always find me and she would say something to the effect of you just need to come and take our training because you already are with those particular age bracket of girls and you need to come and take our training at Piedmont Women's Center and the only thing I could say to her was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my boys at the time were probably nine and I don't know, maybe six or somewhere in that neighborhood. And so busy, I taught piano, lots of other things going on in my life. Um, but she wouldn't leave me alone. And so I decided I should go at least for just to uh, help her not stay on me so much <laughs> mm-hmm. about it. But I went in a lot of things there. I'd never thought about um, this whole issue of people making a decision between life and death every day. Um, and I think people are probably there most of the time, too. They don't consider that this day somebody's going to make that type of decision. 
So going through training really opened my eyes up of what's really going on in the world. And I had been pretty much in a bubble most of my life. And so um, wasn't around. I thought I wasn't around anybody, you know, that had had an abortion yeah. or even considered abortion. So after after uh, finishing the training, went and started volunteering at our particular, uh, the Greer Clinic actually is where I started volunteering. And one particular day, um, you know, um, one lady called from our other sister um, clinic over at Grove Road and said there was a woman who had been given a diagnosis of her particular child that she was carrying uh, could possibly have Down syndrome. And they wanted me to come and just talk to her from a life experience. Uh, and it was because our, our first child was uh, has Down syndrome. And so um, just to talk to her, to help her to see that there was hope in the middle of all that. And um, I really hadn't considered that. That's why I was at Piedmont Women's Center. I just knew I was supposed to be there maybe for the age bracket that I taught in Sunday school and that it would somehow help in my being with them and helping them navigate life. Um, It's funny because I don't know how I could not have ever thought of the connection between these things, but... um, that's really how I cemented myself um, is because I realized when I went to speak with this young woman who really felt like there was no hope for her. And the thing was, is that you, she really didn't know that for sure was mm-hmm. going to be her diagnosis, but she, she'd been given that and she believed her physician and, you know, we are all supposed to believe them. I'm not saying they do everything Uh, wrong or right I'm just saying that's the information she was given yeah we trust them and so um, because of that she just felt that she was gonna have to make a decision Um, and she could not because of her particular circumstances she was not able to and felt like she was not able to carry this child and bring it into the world because of her particular situation um so speaking to her and telling her my story and helping her to see that there is hope, it doesn't mean it's easy. It just means there's hope in the middle of all that. Right. Um, and I guess just going away, walking away from that time with her, I just really, it was like the, the light bulb came on for me. It was like, this is why. This is why I you know, am here, was to literally... For her or for anyone else um, that could possibly be considering abortion because of a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Just to give them hope and maybe change the story yes. for them. Yes. Right. Do you, in talking with her, uh, I know it's a long time ago, but do you remember what some of her concerns were and how you talked her through some of those? Well, she she really believed probably what all of us right off the bat think of that the individual that there's this diagnosis of they won't be able to do this, they won't be able to do that, and that's all we hear. That's all we've ever heard, or we've never been around anyone with special needs at all, and so we're afraid. Mm -hmm. And what we usually, when we don't know something or we don't know about it or we've never seen it, touched it, been around it, we're afraid of that. It makes us feel uncomfortable. And that was her. She was very afraid of how would she, she had no idea how she was going to manage that. Her other son was 12. And at the time, that was the exact same same age as our Chase was. 
And so um, I was able to tell her, you know, look, and I had pictures, obviously, of, of Chase. And so I was able to say, I want you to see him because I wanted her to see that. Does he does he make you feel uncomfortable at all with seeing any of that? And no, he doesn't. So that was a fear of hers. The other thing was how, you know, if he has all these particular medical problems or the possibility of those things, you know, how am I ever going to be able to afford that? I can barely keep food for myself and my son. And we live in an area where it's, it's very hard. Um, and all I could say to her then is I, I, I can't answer any of those things for you other than to say that um, I personally don't know at this point in my life what would I would ever do. Um, it would never be the same without Chase being in our lives. That's not to sugarcoat it, but life, yes, had changed. But we were very blessed in that there was none of those medical things. And we had no idea. Mm -hmm. You just don't. You don't know that. But you just cross that. And this young woman was a very young believer. And I said, you know, you are not alone. You have already have God within you that is helping you to withstand whatever it is. And he will not leave you. You, will, you can be surrounded by other people. She did not have a church home that was making things very hard for her as mm -hmm. well. So having to, to help her at least navigate past, you couldn't go to a whole lot of information because it was too overwhelming. I, I remember some of that. I remember that fear um, of, for her, she was getting all of that early. For me, we didn't know any of that early. Okay. So she was getting information that was potentially what was going to happen. She had no definitive reason to think it at that point, but it was just giving her enough information for her to not feel like, don't start negating everything without you knowing more. And at least what I can say to you is that these are things that I've done for him and with him to treat him. He is your son. He is my son. Mm -hmm. He will always be my son. And there's nothing that changes that, whether he has an extra chromosome or not. It doesn't matter. He's still our son. Right. I like that you were very honest with her, you know, and just saying that it won't necessarily be easy. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you were able, to, like you said, give her hope and let her know that there was a way and she did have a choice. Um, and some of the reading that I was doing and preparing for this podcast, reading different stories, that is one of the things that these stories highlighted is that people will get these pre-screenings or diagnosis and it is so much information at yeah. once and it's overwhelming. And then, you know, they're presented like, oh, now you need to make a choice. And they're faced with all this overwhelming information um, along with this choice that they're told they need to make and it's like they don't have time to process it and mm -hmm. it seemed like one of the common themes was almost like people going through the stages of grief kind yeah. of like shock first and then adjusting to it and then seeing their life a different way um I don't know when you had Chase and they um when did you find out about his 
diagnosis? Was that right after he was born? Was it later on? It was actually like um, he was born real early in the morning hours. And so during rounds, um, hours later, so I'd had a little bit of sleep and, and my husband had gone home. So it was it was probably during rounds that early that next morning. So that's when we found out. Um, and I would say that, you know, things are done very differently and probably differently than they were then. Um, but I would certainly say that I would hope and really, really hope and pray that um, physicians would remember how to say things to a new mom. This was our very first baby. Um, it was um, very, very difficult, uh, and I was alone when um, how it happened. It probably didn't need to happen the way it did. Um, so I think if, if individuals, whether it's physicians or nurses or, or folks, would just realize uh, in just a moment, it only takes a few minutes for someone's world to come crashing down. Um, and just to be very, very cautious and careful. Um, but it was, it was certainly just a little bit after that. But I have to say that, you know, I had a terrific OB um, in that he later when I was able to ask him why he didn't say anything after Chase was born. And he said, I, I just saw you and Scott. <laughs> holding him mm -hmm. <laughs> and he didn't want to disrupt that mm -hmm. so um and I appreciated that we had we had moments and um those were very special and you're right there is there is definitely grieving mm -hmm. um that has that has to happen it has to do that but um, to know that um, there are others, but the same OB was incredible because he um, had delivered um, another little child a few years before that, four or five years before that. And he called that particular patient of his, he and his wife, and asked if they would come up and speak to me. Um, I don't remember whether Scott was there right then. I don't think so. Um, pretty much some of that is a blur. But um, she was unable to come and we had something with one of the children. But um, her husband, which was a local pastor in the area, and he came and brought the biggest, I don't even know, it was some sort of tray or box of pictures mm -hmm. of their son. Um, who was playing on the beach, kicking a ball, doing all the things that you envision your child doing. And he just put it in my lap. Got to tell you, it saved me. Yeah. It really did because it... Um, it's just what I told that young woman, and that's why, you know, I was glad I had pictures um, to show her of Chase, because that spoke to me. I saw um, a little boy having fun and doing all the things that I would want my son to do. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so something... 
I did a lot of reading for this. So something, it just reminds me of another story I was reading. And they were kind of saying the same thing when um, the screening, you know, because a lot of people get prenatal screening these days. So they may have some idea or even a diagnosis before their child comes. And when they get that diagnosis, or in your case, if they get it after the child's born, mm-hmm. they're kind of told all the things that could possibly happen and all those things are like the worst case scenario and in some cases maybe that is going those things some of those things are going to come come true but not all of them like you really like you don't know there's a huge spectrum there is out there um and it's got to be scary and that when you first hear it or first learn about it and you're so concerned. Um, But like you're saying, your son and this guy's son, uh, you know, they've been able to have Mm -hmm. life experiences and a good life. And we just don't know what kind of life each person's going to have. And a diagnosis like that does not determine the value in any way of a person at all. That's right. Yeah. And you know, that's what it, and you bring up a great point that through those screenings, um, when I was reading some of these things were that 67% of U.S. pregnancies with diagnosis of Down syndrome, um, result in abortion. Mm -hmm. 67% in the U.S. That's that's That's, a lot. It's, uh, enormous. Uh, when you think that, Um, There are so many, about 90% of abortions in Europe Mm -hmm. are due to people being told that they could possibly be carrying a child with Down syndrome. Right. Hey guys, Kayla Suleiman here. Are you looking for a way to get involved with Piedmont Women's Center? If so, we've got the perfect opportunity for you. Our Born to Run 5K is happening on May 14th at Bob Jones University. You can sign up to run or walk at piedmontwomenscenter.org slash 5K. We even have a fun run for the kiddos so you can make it a family event. Don't trip as you race to sign up your whole family. Don't want to run or walk? That's okay too. You can sponsor a runner or create your own fundraiser by going to piedmontwomenscenter.org slash 5K and click the interested in sponsoring link right under the register button. Get all the deets and sign up at PiedmontWomenCenter.org slash 5K. On your mark, get set, go. You know, these days for me, I mean, he's about to turn a whopping age of 36. <laughs> um, and I got to tell you, I, yes, I'm not, I, there are difficult days. I'm not going to say that there's not. And there are some days, you know, that I, I'm in a different mood and I am just not happy about that. Uh-huh. You know, I, I want for him to be able to. But I have to then question myself and say, who am I really talking about? I'm really talking about me. I'm talking about what I want for him. I'm not even thinking about what he wants. Uh-huh. Uh, I had to make a big change for that way back when he was very young, um, of, of wanting to have him do certain things. It was all related, not all of it, but some of it was related to what I felt like I wanted him to do. Um, and that really is how we as parents are anyway. 
but I think I just some moments there was that over the top you know? <laughs> <laughs> because I just so wanted I wanted to, for people to just be proved wrong so badly that I'm, I'm sure I was <laughs> probably really pushy <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I've seen such fun stuff you know Chase was in um in this area there was a terrific challenge um little baseball uh, t-ball group when he was very very young and I don't know if it was one of the first ones around in the challenge league in this area but he got to be a part of that very first group of of uh, children and I think he may have been five five or six little bitty thing wearing a helmet out there and running to a base it was absolutely most precious thing I'd ever seen in my life and every time, you know, he would do it, I would just see, wow, look, look how far we, we've come from the moment of all that. And watch his little legs run to the first uh -huh. base. And I would just almost be teared up the whole time mm -hmm. because it was so cute. Um, but as each year has gone, there's, there's just things that we continue to learn. Um, when we had our second son, it was, I, I just, we are learning to be first parents again. The first time I said that to somebody, they said, what are you talking about? Is he, is he your youngest or is he your oldest? And I said, well, he's my youngest, but we are first parents to both of these young men because we're still, we're still our first parents and still learning uh, with Chase. And we are still learning the whole because it's very different um, with our, our second son because it's not the same. So we have no idea what we're doing with that either. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny because uh, then people started understanding what I was trying to say. But um, because there's, there's, no, uh, there's nothing the same mm -hmm. about parenting. We had no idea on either end of the spectrum what we were doing. We were still trying to figure out right. how to be parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. So do you mind sharing what it was like to raise a child with special needs? Oh, wow. Oh, my. And that's a big question. It's a very large question. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I read so much. I read too much. Okay. Um, I went to uh, conferences. Um, I dove into parent groups um, where he went as a little baby. He started at a program here in Greenville that was wonderful at the time. And um, I kind of dove into all of that. I think I really felt like I just needed to know more to understand it because I was not going to, I was not going to take any of those things. Um sitting down or there was going to be stuff that I was going to learn and he was he would be allowed to be a part of everything I could possibly think of so um for him you know I would say probably until he was nine or ten we about nine or ten was when I sat down with him and we talked about down syndrome okay um I went to a conference probably right a year or so before that and um, it was, I don't know, I, there were so many people there. But anyway, my hand went up about something. And I don't even remember how it got there. And this, I was asked whether um, I had ever spoken to my son about him having Down syndrome. And I said no. And there was this gasp throughout the whole entire, hmm. it was this gargantuan room 
but there was gas. And I kind of looked around like, what is so awful about that? And someone put voice to that and said, really, why would you not want, why would you not want that to happen? And I said, well, number one, I don't think he's ready to hear that yet because we need to, we need to talk about that. And I need to hear from him that he understands and that he's okay with that. But until then, I want him to experience childhood as any other child. So, so you want to? And I said, "What's wrong with that?" <laughs> you wanted to wait until he brought it to I you. I felt I felt like he had been around and had heard okay. and understood, and we that I I felt like he was ready to hear this. Okay. So about nine or ten, somewhere in that neighborhood, we we finally had that discussion with him, and it was really off the cuff. He. I don't even know how we got into it. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to talk about this now. <laughs> it was something. I don't even know what had happened, but we just had this. And he he just said, oh, I know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know what to say to wow, that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So um, so it's something that you'll, you'll have. You know, you will never not have this, but it's okay because you're good. You're fine. Mm-hmm. And... Look at all the things that that we all do and all that. So really and truly, you're good. Yeah. You don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Um, And like I said, we were blessed. He did not have, there's so many other physical things that can happen. um, And he did not have any of those kind of things. So we're very blessed about that. So, so many friends, others that I know um, have had other kind of things going on and their children were born with a lot of uh, physical, um, other anomalies that were, that were happening and it was very difficult. And so I've always felt like, wow, God, you're so good. Mm -hmm. You're so good. Um, in that you have kept that from him. Um, yes, we lived in fear for probably the first three to four months, just, if anything was going to go wrong, that was the time period. If there was going to be anything, that's what I had have been. I heard from the doctor. You know, we don't think this is going to happen, but if there is, it would be in this time frame. And once we passed all of that, and um, he had surgery that had nothing to do, you know, with him having Down syndrome, but he was just a firstborn male, and sometimes they have these little stomach issues and. Mm-hmm. He had to have surgery on his uh, before his one month birthday, but um, anyway, that's really sort of the way. And so we've we've raised him um, without any kind of limitations. Um, that has many stories attached to that because you know you have to educate people along the way, which means you just have to help people to let him have that opportunity. Give him space, let him do or let him try. Um, and we, even when there has been um, some, um, I guess, some of that, if someone felt that that was not possible or they wanted to push back a little bit on any of that, well, you know, we were always prepared to push a little harder. Mm-hmm. But he has, um, He's always had um, that kind of mentality of he wants to try it. That's fine. He wants to do that. So we'll try that. Um, and we've we've done the same with, you know, our second son was, you know, anything that your children want to do within reason. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you want to allow them to be able to have the moment to try that. And we didn't, we tried to help adults around know that that's what we wanted to. So if someone would ask, how should Chase be in this particular setting? What would you like for us to do? Yeah. I love that question uh-huh. because I would just go, oh, this is going to uh-huh. be good. And I would just say, um, just like anybody else that yeah. you got in this room. Well, you know, <laughs> when you say that, well, uh, we've talked before and um, you've shared that with me before. And I found that so helpful. <laughs> You're like, just treat him like you would treat anybody else. Yeah. Or just like ask me like you would ask anybody else. Hey, like, what are they into? What kind of things yeah. do you like? And yeah. um, I actually shortly after that had the opportunity to take your advice. Um, really? Yes. And I was, I was so grateful for it because some occasionally we have um, – a young man with special needs come into the clinic. He comes and waits for one of our volunteers to finish her shift. And then they go spend the afternoon together. And I walked back into the break room one day and he was in there by himself. And, you know, usually she's with him, but he was back there. And at first I will admit, I was like, Oh boy, like, I'm not sure what to do. Um, but that comment that you made was like, just treat him like you treat anybody else came to my mind. And I just started talking to him like I would anybody else. And right. like, it was a little awkward, you know, but he responded to it. And, um, we were all just to have like a conversation and like become friends. And I love when he comes into the Aww, clinic now. And, that's sweet. um, the lady that he hangs out with told me later, she said, you know, like he doesn't always warm up to people and he warmed up to you. And, uh, Really, I like that's just because mm, of what Tammy said. True. So it's just we need <laughs> the moms like you and <laughs> to educate us uh, because a lot of people like they just don't know and they want to do the right thing, but they just, they just yeah, know. they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. We're so afraid we're going to do the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like here's the other example. And I guess I find myself now if I see someone, whatever situation, there could be um, a, a young person who is having difficulty walking, um, so or they're in a wheelchair, or they're something slightly that's different than me. And I'm just drawn to that now, I guess. And I usually will have eye contact if, if they will, if they are looking at me. I will, I right immediately want to have eye contact with them, and then I'll speak to them. And I think it really makes me wonder how many times before Chase was even born, did I ever do that? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I was probably afraid, and so I probably looked the other way or walked farther over or something because mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure. Um, but it definitely, definitely changed how I just view how I view people. Yeah. Um, it certainly did that for our our second son. Well, I only have two, so that's <laughs> not. <laughs> so I was like, I have four or five. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so, uh, but yeah, our youngest, I can say that. Um, so our youngest, um, it, he he really, I think, developed probably really early, a, a 
real keen sense of protection mm. for his brother to such a degree that he was willing at any point in high school to take anybody down mm-hmm. who who disrespected or do it who did anything but we had uh, chase had a great experience in high school I, probably one of the best i probably can tell you that not many people get to have the kind of experience he had. We were in um, a, a school that was local to the church we were in. So all of his peers that he had grown up with, because they grew up in the church that I was on staff. And so um, all of those peers were at the high school. So he literally grew up with them. They grew up with him. So um, he played church basketball, was the shortest one on the team, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> but man, he was a scrapper out there and they would set up a shot for him. I got to tell you, the sweetest thing you've ever seen is to watch these big guys when they're sophomore or juniors or seniors in high school and they're tall and big and Chase is like mm-hmm. this little bitty person. <laughs> And um, they are setting a shot up for him, and they are daring the other team to do uh-huh. one thing to come in there and get the ball. And I then Chase gets to get a basket, and then the whole place erupts. You know, that kind of stuff is, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. Um, but to go to, to a school where there were so many that just loved him, and um, they did stuff with him. Um, so great experience, young people. And that's the other thing of this other piece of this is that, um, we don't give, I think others with any kind of special needs, um, that kind of honor that they can, they are contributors to our community in such a way that they make all of us better. Um, in so many different ways, if they're allowed to be a part of our community. And that's why I think it's so important that when we're talking about this whole issue of abortion and how, you know, if someone, all they can see is the what's wrong and the worst um, to all of this and not think farther past that to what could the possibilities be or even give that moment? And that's why I think it's so important. Um, you know, I'm willing, always willing to to be available to people if they want to talk to somebody. And I certainly still am. Um, will be happy to talk to people or anyone who is either facing this or in the middle of it and not sure how they're going to deal with their life. Um, but um, somebody was there for us. And I will never forget that Um, and how it really saved me. Um, It saved me from a lot of grief that I was dwelling in. Um, And I think that's what we all do for one another when we respect one another for our differences, Mm -hmm. because all of us have something um, that's different within us, um, whether we can see it or not. There's things in us, there's flaws or there's something different about us. Um, and for any individual that's different than us, um, it's not a flaw. It's our ability. It's an opportunity to learn something, to increase our knowledge and our love for other people, because it will do that. It will do that. There's no way you can be around, um, around any any one of, of any person who has a challenge 
that um, they are working hard to overcome, um, you will learn to love people. Yeah. Deeper. (laughs) One of the questions I was going to ask you at the end, but I think you just basically answered it, was, uh, you know, you alluded earlier to the high abortion rates of people with Down syndrome in um, over in Europe and like Denmark and Iceland, it's almost a hundred percent. Oh yeah. And so I wanted to ask you like, how do you think like hypothetically, if we were able to eradicate all special needs from our society, what would that mean for our society and what would we be missing out Mm -hmm. on? And and it sounds like you just kind of said that saying just an opportunity to love and understand each other. I think we'd be missing out on a lot of compassion. Yes. Um, and a sense of justice for the, and empathy for those, like you said, who are different mm-hmm. or less fortunate. Um, and sometimes it, it is just different. It's not a bad thing. It's just mm-hmm. different. And those differences are what challenge us and make us better and make the world a better place. Right. Because, you know, there's, you know, I've seen things for whether it was him as a little person he will notice things differently than I do Mm -hmm. um look at things differently than I do um take moments to something as simple as a bubble Mm -hmm. or a flower can mean something so different than me just saying that's pretty or look at that bubble or how many there are for him it was like magic yeah it was what are those and they are so pretty and I can touch them and then they're gone I mean for him it was such a magical moment for me it would have been I'm blowing bubbles yeah um but for him it made him laugh and giggle and it was so incredible that he was trying to catch and hold and it was not there anymore and he didn't know but if I if mommy can blow some more of those, there's more that come out. And so yeah. it was just precious. I don't know. It slowed me down. Yeah. One of the, one of the things Kelly said when we had did her podcast, that was that Jordan, her daughter expanded her world and opened mm-hmm. it her up. And, you know, like you said, to see things that she hadn't seen before. Right. Emotions that she would have just like the bubble thing, like just would have like passed that over. But mm-hmm. it, um, it seems like children can bring a sense of wonder that we lose. Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. That is all the time we have for today. I hope that you are enjoying this conversation with Tammy as much as I did. Be sure and join us in the next episode for part two. All right, friends. Thanks so much for joining us on The Beat Goes On today. We hope we've given you some things to think about. If you are interested in helping the pro-life work at Piedmont Women's Center, here are three quick and easy ways you can do that. Leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Take a screenshot and share the podcast with your friends on social media. Remember to tag us if you do. Or you can visit PiedmontWomenCenter.org to make a one-time or monthly donation. You make our pro-life work possible. Until next time.